Uh, so let me share with you, I want to share a little quirky thing about myself. Uh, I love the produce department in the grocery store. Uh, I know that's really odd, but I can, I just want to buy everything that's in there, all right? Uh, and I will, I love farm stands when they open up. I love, uh, I love this one produce place that we go to. It's not even nearby. I make my family go there. I make my wife and I drive there to buy all of our produce because the prices are better, but there's also this enormous selection. I love seeing all the different apples. Uh, like right now for me, we have pink ladies at home. I just think that's so cool. They're so good. Did you know that that there are 7,500 different kinds of apples. I hope to try them all. This one surprised me. Bananas. Didn't you think bananas, they're just green or yellow, right? That's it, right? You just buy bananas. Did you know that there are 1,600 different kinds of bananas? I had no idea. I don't really care to try all of them, but I'm just surprised that there are that many bananas. Uh, some other things that fascinate me, once it starts, you know, you start doing this stuff on Google, you just spend all day there. Uh, so some other things I found out, things you probably didn't know, is that there are 60,000 different kinds of trees in the world. 60,000 different kinds of trees, and there are currently on the planet Earth an estimated 3 trillion trees around our globe, three trillion trees. Now I want you to do a little more math with me on this, all right? An average oak tree has about 200,000 leaves. So if an average oak tree has 200,000 leaves and there are three trillion trees, about how many leaves do you think there are in the world? A lot, right? Yeah, there's a lot. And add to that that no two are alike. Would it really have been that big a deal if you found out that two were alike? It wouldn't, right? But there are no two leaves that are alike. There are 1.2 million different animals, different types of animals in the world. 1.2 million. And there are about that many cats. There are 91,000 different kinds of insects in the world, 91,000. And right now on planet Earth, it's estimated that there are 10 quintillion insects, insects on the planet right now. Now, 10 quintillion is a 10 with 18 zeros. A lot of insects. Most of those are mosquitoes. This one blew me away. There are an estimated 100 to 200 billion galaxies. And this is why it's estimated between 100 and 200, is that astronomers, to count this, have to pick a section of the sky. They count the galaxies in that section, and then they multiply it out around the rest of the place universe. It's so big, you can't count it. Too many to count. And there are 7.4 billion people living on planet Earth. Now, at the last service, I mistakenly said 7.4 million people. And I'm not good with numbers, but about a million people corrected me. So 7.4 billion people living on planet Earth right now. And there are over 100 
over 107 billion people have ever lived on planet Earth. Again, and that roughly 107, 108 billion people have ever lived on planet Earth. Now, all of that, and this is why I love the farm stands and love produce, is it's a sign that our world is a world filled with diversity, filled with variety, and it is marked by uniqueness and individuality. Because one apple really would have been fine. Yet, we have 7,500 to choose from. If some of the leaves on the trees had happened to be the same, we would have been fine with that. But yet, no two are alike. And so, to maybe blow your minds a little bit further, let me make this statement, and then I'll unpack it before you respond too quickly. I would suggest this morning that we are not created equal. That diversity is woven into the fabric of creation. And that the writer of Genesis tells us that God spoke the world into existence. And when God spoke, everything that is everything happened because of his voice. And God created with a diversity and variety. And God chooses in the creative process to embrace complexity. And so every plant, a plant and each animal and every insect and every person is a witness to the unique, diverse, and individual world that we get to be a part of collectively. And so King David said this in Psalm 139, it's up on the screen. When thinking about the creative process and, and the creativity of God, he said this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. So words like unique and diverse, and complex and individual all help us to understand the creative process that God has been and continues to be here in our world. And one of those ways I think is most clear for us, if my fruit stand illustrations weren't enough, is the idea of fingerprints. That every fingerprint is uniquely different. And that fingerprints are formed in the womb and the ridges and whorls that are on your thumb and index finger and the other eight were put there in the womb and they will be your fingerprints for life. And no two are alike, even for twins. And so if there have been 107 billion people who have ever lived on planet Earth, there have been 107 billion different sets of fingerprints. That's some diversity, huh? That is some complexity. That is a mark of our uniqueness and our individuality. And so while our rights and our privileges of equality are true... Our creation tells us that we are not equal, but diverse and unique and individual. And the same God who made the trees and the animals and the insects and the galaxies has made you and me. And God has made us with this diversity and variety. And he has done that with people, even our fingerprints. And so even something as simple as the way that we had these 
whirls and ridges on our thumb is a sign of God's love, the unique mark that he's given to each one of us. And our personalities and our skills and our talents are all a witness to the diversity of God that has been woven into creation. Last week at the Mount Laurel campus, Steve Hoadley shared this, and I'm quoting Steve. He heard it at the last service. I think, I think he, didn't want to, he didn't want to be here for the second. He wanted to hear me quote Steve Hoadley. Here's what Steve had to say last week. God knows who you are. You are not a cog in the machine. You are not another face in the crowd. You are unique. You are created. You are loved. You are empowered by the very God of the universe who hung the stars in the sky. Diversity is woven into the fabric of creation and every plant and animal and insect and every person is a witness to the unique, diverse and individually complex world that we get to be a part of collectively. Now, why is that so important? We're in the midst of a series called Getting Personal. And uh, we're gonna, we're, we've been looking at the way that God has wired us to connect with God in the world. And so we're talking about our pa pathways, our personality, and how that we relate best to God in the world, and that it, it is wired into us, and that we are knit together, and it's from God. And we look at our passions and those things that energize us, those things that inspire us to act. And today we'll be looking at the gifts that God has given to every Christ follower and why those gifts have been given and how we are to use those gifts. Now, here's what I don't want us to lose thought, uh, uh, sight of, and that's why I shared those thoughts at the beginning, is that the variety and the diversity of God's creation did not end with creation. God is still in the variety-making business. And so to call a gift, to call a spiritual gift a gift is too simple for God. It would be like talking about all the trees or all the animals or insects or galaxies or people. There's this vast variety and there's this vast diversity and complexity to it. So we can't just talk about a gift. We have to talk about how that gift fits in with all those other parts of our lives and how it collectively it makes us who we are. And so these gifts combined with our personality and our passions create this beautiful tapestry of who we are and together we collectively create the church. So it's up on the screen. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read a few verses about spiritual gifts. And along the way, I'm going to stop and talk about those things and share some stories and insights from that. But up on the screen from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. There are, what's the word? Different. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are, what does Paul say? Different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. There are different kinds, different types of gifts. There's this diversity within spiritual gifts. So there are gifts that lead God's people, like pastoring or leadership or faith or wisdom or the gift of discernment. And then there are gifts that can communicate God's word, like preaching or evangelism or the gift of missions. 
And then there are gifts that educate God's people like teach the teaching gift or an encouragement gift or wisdom or discernment. And then there are gifts that demonstrate God's love like the gift of service or the gift of mercy or the gift of hospitality or the gift of giving or the gift of encouragement, as I already said. And, we're gonna, and those gifts can, will all be discussed and I'm gonna share, I'm not gonna go de- detail into the discussion of the gifts because I really wanna focus on the why of these gifts because all of them are a gift from God to every Christ follower. Every Christ follower has been given a gift from God. And God loves variety. In the same way that every person has a unique set of fingerprints and no two are alike, our giftedness needs to be seen in the same way. That God loves diversity and God loves variety. That we are not all created equal. Our personality and our passion gifts together together make a recipe that is woven into the fabric of who we are. So for instance, if I told you that I received a new pair of shoes as a gift, how much have I told you about those shoes? Very little. I've just talked about shoes. Have you ever been to the shoe store? See, when you go to Payless or one of those other stores, I forget the one on 73 it's called. Is that Payless? Sure, it's that one. See how many, there's a variety of shoe stores. So when you walk into the shoe store, what's the first thing you have to do? They're all shoes, but you have to shoot. You go to the men's section, the women's section, or the children's section, right? So first you have to select which section you're going to. Then once you're there, you have to decide what type of shoe you're looking for. You're looking for a athletic shoe, or you're looking for a work shoe, or you're looking for a dress shoe, right? So now the shoes have narrowed down, but there's still more decisions to be made, right? Do you want, if they're athletic shoes, do you want high tops? Do they still have those? Right? Oh yeah, okay. Or do you want, do you want, you're looking for tennis shoes? What kind of athletic shoe are you looking for? Now, even further, what color shoe do you want? And do you want one that says Nike or Adidas or some other brand? But even when you're done all that, if I just told you I got a pair of shoes, I still haven't told you those shoes come in different sizes. And so it can be a nine and a half or a 10 or a 10 and a half. And that's not it. You still have to decide what width you want your shoe. Do you wear a narrow shoe, a wide shoe, or a, is it regular shoe? I don't know what the narrow, I, there's all these different options, right? It's size, width, length. All of these are shoes, but all of them are different. The same is true with spiritual gifts. To say that you have received the gift of leadership or that you have the gift of teaching or service or hospitality is only the tip of the iceberg. It's like saying I received a pair of shoes. There's so much more to it than just that. Because God is a God of diversity and God is a God of variety and God is a God of complexity. And so let me challenge you, if you're a Christ follower and you are not sure how God has gifted you, or if you have never heard about spiritual gifts before and you're following Jesus, let me challenge you to consider joining this small group that's taking place right now. It's called Passions, Pathways, and Gifts. It's on Monday evenings. You can find out the details in the small group catalog, which is out there in the the lobby at the info desk. There's also a second class, uh, a second small group that's happening. It's not just on Mondays. I think it's on Tuesdays. It's the exact same course, the exact same small group. You can find out there. I may challenge you to, to, to sign up for one. I think it's four weeks long. I'm making all this up now as I go along. 
all right? But you can find out out there. But let me challenge you to do that. Let me suggest that you be a part of that. It is a great thing. And now let me tell you why you should be a part of that. I want to spend the rest of the time talking about the why. So it's up on the screen again. It's Genesis chapter 1, beginning, or, or verse 28. In the Old Testament, the writer says this. Then God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. In the beginning of Genesis, God creates with this diversity and complexity that we already talked about, and he puts Adam and Eve in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And so it is clear that humanity was created to work. And our work is a stewardship of all that God has given us. That God created with variety, and humanity is responsible for this. This is, this is a fundamental principle of stewardship. That God owns everything, and we are simply managers acting on God's behalf. And so God says to be fruitful and multiply. Our responsibility is to develop the social world, to build families and churches and schools and cities and governments and laws. We're responsible to develop this and put this in place. And the second phrase is we are to reign or harness the natural world. And so we plant crops and build bridges and design computers and compose music. We were made to work. And everything we have is from God, and we are managers of it. And so moms, thank you for the good work that you do here on this Mother's Day. Because you are working to build up and grow young men and young women who will love God and have good character. And who have opportunity to impact the world. Whatever you do, even our children, it's about stewardship of what God has given us. And so our talents and our gifts and our personality are meant to be used to work and steward what God has given us. Everything we do is stewardship. Now, interestingly, the Bible doesn't have a word for sacred or secular. It wasn't an idea when the Bible was written. There was only one life. See, we're really good at compartmentalizing these things. So we have our work life and we have our home life, right? We have our church life and we have our home life. We have our work friends and our home, our, our home friends, that's our family. And we have our neighborhood friends, right? But we compartmentalize and put things into categories, right? We're really good at that. The, in, the writers of the, of, of the Bible didn't have that category way of thinking about life. They just had one life. And so they would, see what we do is we think this is the one hour that we live as church. And then the other six days and 23 hours is not church. But the Bible would see that differently and the writers of the Bible see it differently. They would see it as one life. And so that means that the things that happen here during this one hour need to influence what happens the other six days in 23 hours? That it's all one life and that it all fits together. It all works together. Jesus actually shared this idea when he talked to his disciples. He said, uh, he talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And he said, the kingdom of God is near 
or he said the kingdom of God is here. And so he was telling his disciples our responsibility is to go build the kingdom. It's why when he taught his disciples to pray, one of the things that we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it, on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying that God's reign, God's kingdom will happen here. That's what we're praying for when we say that. And that's how we're to live our lives. So that the one hour that we spend here can be, have an impact on the other six days and 23 hours that we live there. I'm making sense. It's about building the kingdom together. We need to live as if God's reign on planet earth is here. And the church was designed not to just be here, but to be there. And I believe that the church has the opportunity to change the world around it. And that we, as the church, have an opportunity to do that. Because we're meant to work, we're designed to work, and we're designed to, uh, uh, to develop and harness. We're designed to, to uh, be fruitful and reign, and we're designed to take the kingdom of God and build it here and near. So that God's reign is not just when the church is gathered together, but when the church is dispersed as well. So I believe the church and Jesus can grow families and make marriages whole and fix broken lives and can reorient life goals and that together we expand the impact of the church and improve the world around us. And so that the world would know about this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And so we are responsible for working and building the kingdom of heaven. So how does building the kingdom of heaven, what does that look like? Well, one of the ways it looks is when we consider serving at Vacation Bible School. How is that building the kingdom of heaven? Is that we have no idea what impact we will have on a student's life. And we have no idea how that student, because of that experience in Vacation Bible School, may change the world around them. We have no idea when we're raising our kids, when we're focused on building good character in them, how that may change the world around us. We have no idea when we choose to be honest and true and right in the way we deal with the people around us, how that can have an impact on our world. That we get to build the kingdom of God as we're driving through town. That we can build the kingdom of God when we're in the grocery store line. That we can build the kingdom of God when we're waiting in the doctor's office. Because our work can be and should be building the kingdom of heaven here on planet earth. Yes, Lewis had this to say of this idea. It's up on the screen. This idea about stewardship and work. Every 
faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to God's service, you could not give God anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. You see, the God of variety and diversity, the creator of the universe, has given all of it to every disciple to be fruitful and multiply. Following Jesus is not about getting to heaven. That could not be any more wrong. It's not about waiting for Jesus to return. That is just a lie. It's not about making church comfortable. Following Jesus is about being fruitful and reigning. It's about caring for what God has has given to us. It's about investing in an unseen kingdom at work and at home. God has given every Christ follower a spiritual gifts to be used to do these very things. We're designed to work. Okay, that's the first one. We're made to work. Second one, our giftedness is always about serving. Serving the world, serving the church, and serving others. Paul said this. It's up on the, uh, no, it's not on the screen. Just listen carefully as I read it to you. I get so excited. Ephesians chapter four. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Paul says this, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do God's work and build up the church. See, our responsibility here is to help each other discover the giftedness that we have the spiritual gift that God has given us. And then together, equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Paul goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Here's why, ready? So we can help each other. That's the only reason that Paul gives. So we can help each other. Peter gives another reason. He says, do you have the gift of teaching? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then here's the reason Peter gives. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And so we have these gifts to serve And we have these gifts to bring glory to God. And so while every person's personality and passions and giftedness may be unique and complex, the one thing that is the same about every person's giftedness is that it's not about you. It's something that is meant to be shared with others. It's always about others. And so we're designed to work and steward this place. We're designed to uh, serve others, and we are not good alone. We are not good alone. See, nobody has every gift. We all have limits within our giftedness. God has, I have two gifts that I've figured out over the years that God has, has given me. These spiritual gifts are the gift of teaching, preaching, and the gift of leadership. I do those at varying degrees of success. Every once in a while, I have one of those moments right here where I say things in such a way, it's not the way it was supposed to be said. And there are other times that it's like, wow, how did that happen? God must have been doing something. And so varying degrees of success. I do only a few things well. I do a few things average, and I do a lot of things below average. Just not good at them at all. That's it. Only a few things. Now, every year we take a team to 
Haiti to work at the house of Abraham. And every year I am fascinated that that team that goes to the house of Abraham in Haiti, I'm fascinated that I get to watch the giftedness of the church work together. See, because I have, I can teach you how to get to Haiti. I can preach to you about getting to Haiti and I could lead you to Haiti. All right. That's it for me. All right. I can't tell you how much it costs because I, I'm not good with numbers. All right. I don't have administrative gifts. So there's been times where if I was responsible for getting us to the airport, it ain't happening. All right. Because there needs to be somebody else who does that. And so I see the team come together and I see the giftedness work together and I'm fascinated by it. And it happens every year when we're on this trip. I get to see people's giftedness come out. Now this last year, it was most, most outstanding. It was just one of those, like, it, it, just, it just was like, wow, God, that is so clear. Matter of fact, it was something I ended up writing about afterward. Uh, there, was, there was a woman who went on the trip. It was the first time she'd ever gone to Haiti, and she was concerned about going. It was a little, you know, she didn't know people. Uh, it, it, was, it was, you know, it's a new experience, all those kinds of things. But this person has the gift of encouragement. And so while on the team, I watched her do this. Everyone would be working. We're moving rocks. We're moving rocks from there to there. And they're big rocks. And we're carrying these rocks. And people, are, and you're in the sun, and you're sweating, and you're hot, and you're tired. And as we're moving rocks, she's going, excellent work. Excellent work. Good work. And I'm like, it's just moving rocks. You know? Because if I'm doing it, I'm just, this is what I did. I'll go, I'm a leader. We need to move these rocks from there to there. Let's go. All right? That's what I would do. All right? But I'm excellent work. Good job. You really picked that rock up well. All right? Excellent work. Or I also heard her do this. As she show up somewhere, she go, how can I help? What can I do? Can I be involved in that? What do, what do you need me to do for that? Or she would say this. Whenever I said, here's the next thing we're going to do, she would go, so exciting. I'm like, so exciting. Like, I just said breakfast will be at eight. So exciting. That's right, we're having pancakes. Exciting! The gift of encouragement. But here's, what, here's where I heard it, and I went, oh my goodness, it's so clear. Thank you, God, making this clear. She was teaching a, a, a Bible lesson to some students, all right, uh, for, for, who go to school at the House of Abraham, and they all are Haitian. They speak Creole or French. They don't speak English. And... Fennel would interpret. And so she was sharing the Bible story. Fennel would interpret and the students would nod their head and smile. And then, they, and then she would ask them questions and they would give answers. Uh, Fennel would interpret, they'd give answers, then she'd give them back. And so at one point, this student gave an excellent answer. And she said, oh my goodness, that was so good. Kiss your brain. I'm like, kiss your brain? Like, what does that mean? Kiss your brain. She's just so encouraging. I tried using it all the time. It doesn't work for me. I don't have the gift of encouragement. Kiss your brain. See, I can do some of that. I could possibly be average, but more likely I'm going to be below average. It's just not a part of who I am. It's not my gift, but it is hers. See, we need each other. We're not good alone. And the church is weaker 
when we don't know and are not using the gifts that God has given us. See, if you or I do not discover or use the spiritual gifts that God has given us, let me take it a step further. We are harming the rest of us because we need all of us this diverse group of individuals woven together that is the church. And we'll talk more about that next week. Let me close with this. Ephesians chapter 2, it's up on the screen. It says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We've been created and knit together by God who loves this diversity and variety. Beyond our imaginations, wonderfully complex, God has planned these good things for you and I, you and me to do. God has gifted us to do these things. And the church, the church is responsible to help us discover those gifts together. So again, let me challenge you, sign up for the Passions, Pathways, and Gifts small group. We're to use these gifts to serve each other and to serve the world, building the kingdom. And so my second challenge, if you know your gift, let me ask you, how are you serving? How are you building the kingdom of God? How are you building God's dream community and God's dream society here on earth? This kingdom of God and heaven around us and changing the world. I really do believe that that's possible. I believe that's the church's responsibility, that together we can change the world. It starts in our home and it moves out to our neighborhoods. It happens in our workplaces, that when we are working and we are using our gifts and when we're serving together, when we are doing these things together, the church has the, can have the impact to change the world. Will you stand with me for closing prayer? And so Jesus, I thank you for the diversity and the complexity and the individuality that you have placed in the church. That there are men and women and boys and girls that you have designed and wired and created in such a way. And that God, you are a God that loves us individually and collectively as the church. And God, I pray that the men and women in this room, God, that they would be challenged to discover the giftedness that you have placed inside of them, that they would know the ways that you have wired their personality and that you have, the way that you have put them together with their passions. And God, that they would discover the gifts that you have given them, that they would use them to further your kingdom here on planet earth. God, that we would change the world and so God, I pray that that would be our desire, that each of us would have that passion and that commitment to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Now as you go, I pray that you would go knowing that there's a God that loves you with his whole heart, that as we sang about it, it's a reckless love, that God would do anything, that God did do anything, that Jesus chose to leave his throne in heaven so that he can reign in our hearts and lives forever and that God loves us in that way, and that there's a world out there that is desperate to know of that kind of love. Amen, have a great day.